Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash. I'm the host of the Articulate Fly. I want to welcome you to tonight's episode. And it's also my pleasure to welcome Gordon Vanderpool of Turning Stones Fly Fishing tonight. Welcome, Gordon. Hey, happy to be here, man. Nice to nice to be here, brother. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy. Um, before we kind of get into the meat of the episode, I want to give a shout out to tonight's sponsor. Uh, tonight's episode is brought to us by the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. This event's in its 19th year and is put on by Bo Beasley. And this year it'll be held on January 12th and 13th in Doswell, Virginia. If you'll go to our website and go to our events page at thearticulatefly.com, you can get more details. Okay, Gordon. So, like, on to the show. So, I always ask all of my guests, what's your earliest fishing memory? Oh, that's a good one. Um, that would have to be <clears throat> with my father. Uh, we had a pond, like a, probably about a two-acre pond across the street from where I grew up. And he took me there. I think I was three and a half-ish, something like that. And uh, it was full of bluegill. And he said the first time I went, initially, I was kind of afraid of the fish. And he took me there and I'm whacking a bunch of bluegill. I was really catching them. And he's like, here, you take them off. And, you know, they have on their top fins, they have spikes. So they got me. He said, I, I would throw the bluegill down on the ground and step on it. <laughs> and he said how, and that I looked at him was like, is that good, daddy? And uh, so, yeah, that's one of my memories. My dad, you know, up until the time he passed away a couple months ago and I miss him, but he mentioned that memory. He said that was one of the you know, first fishing memories. And that's always stuck out in my head. How, how old were you when you were fishing for bluegill? I think I was three and a half ish when I first, when he first took me something like that. Wow. And, uh, that's just started a lifelong passion of fishing, you know? So, and so when did you make the, uh, the jump to the dark side for fly fishing? Oh, the jump to the dark side. Uh, I would say throughout my early years, teenage years, I was an avid bass fisherman. Uh, that's what I did for a long time. And then I would say I was probably 17 or 18, uh, probably when I first touched a fly rod. And uh, that was a pretty interesting story there. But we'll get to that whenever it's time. Oh. Yeah, I would say it was 17, 18. Very cool. And who were your mentors on the fly fishing side of the sport? Um, when I first started getting into it um, years ago, a good friend of mine, <clears throat> Dean Canelli, I really thank him for pushing me to actually take the fly rod when we were trout fishing instead of sticking to my bait fishing roots. He's like, if you don't take it, you're never going to get comfortable with it. So finally he made me commit to it. So I definitely owe a lot to Dean and he's also the one that got me into fly tying. Uh, so he was a big mentor and I owe him a lot. Uh, and I have like a lot of other mentors, uh, Gary Gunsley lives out in California and Mark Rosen is also from the high Sierras of California. Uh, they were both fly fishing guides out there and a big reason that I guide today. I learned a lot from those guys and they were very inspirational and kind of pushing me to do what I'm doing now. Uh, and they've been good mentors over the years. And, you know, I've learned a lot uh, from like Paul Bork. Me and Paul have been like best fishing buddies for years and we continue to bounce ideas off of each other. We don't get to do it as much because we're busy and each have two kids. But uh, Paul, you know, we've shared a lot of ideas and Paul's been a big helping my fishing journey and Josh Stevens. I could definitely not forget Josh. He's the person that actually taught me how to fish a cider and got me into this whole game. So Josh has been a big part of it as well. And I hope I didn't forget anybody, but those are the main ones for sure. So, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And when did you decide that you wanted to be a fishing guide? Um, 
long story short, I was living in the high Sierras at the time. I was fishing with my buddies, Mark and Gary, that I was telling you about a moment ago. And, uh, <clears throat> I invited my good friend Dean out to visit me, the one that got me into fly fishing. So he'd come out and spend a week. And, uh, we were, I was taking him up to the stream that I knew really well. I'd fished a lot since I was out there and I was kind of showing him the, showing him the runs and kind of where they like to hold and all this stuff and kind of setting him up. And I hear this little voice behind me and there's this little old lady. She said, sir, are you a guide? And I turned around. I'm like, no, I said, I didn't even know you guys were back there. It was her and her husband. And she said, she said, well, I just saw you working with him and you were just so nice to him. And maybe you should do it. Maybe it's your calling. And surely that lady is long gone because she was up in age. But if I could find her and thank her, I would, because that it was that day that put the seed into me. And I've never forgot that. I really could say that lady was a big part of why I took the plunge. She's the one that planted the seed. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so how long from the time that seed got planted to the time you started turning stones fly fishing? Yeah, good question. Uh, that seed got planted, I would say, in 2006. And I started turning stones fly fishing in the late summer of 2007. Wow. And uh, so not too long. And I know you kind of got all over Western North Carolina, probably in East Tennessee. Where, just so folks know, where, uh, where can they find you most days uh, guiding clients? Yeah, I guide on the Nantahala River, the upper and lower. Uh, I guide there a lot the fly fishing only section of the Raven Fork in Cherokee, uh, lots of wild trout streams here and there, uh, the Tuckaseegee. Those are probably my main guided rivers. And I also guide the Soquee River in North Georgia. Very cool. And do you have other guides that, uh, that you work with or are you a one man operation? Well, I own it. Um, I have three or four other guys that are, I guess what you could call contractors that kind of work for me and help me out when I need it. They're all on a part-time basis, but but I actually keep them pretty busy throughout the year. So, uh, couldn't do what I do without those guys. That's awesome. How many days do you spend on the water a year? Um, 150 to 200 days a year. And honestly, I personally don't want any more than that. Um, it's just, that's enough, especially now with two kids, but, uh, that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. And that's, that's a- just guiding. And then when I get days to fish, of course. Yeah. And that's amazing. Cause I think people don't realize how, how much longer the fishing season is in the Southeast for fly fishing guides than it is say out West mm-hmm. and other places. And I mean, to, you know, you think about guys that are doing 90 or a hundred days out West and that's a lot. And you talk to guys back here and you're doing 200 days a year. It's pretty crazy. Oh yeah, it is. It's crazy. And I have friends that been guiding longer than me that some of the numbers they put in are just ridiculous, but yeah, I don't know how they do it. 150 to 200 is good for me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's been a blessing. Yeah. That, that that's certainly a lot. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about the life of a fly fishing guide? <laughs> oh, that question. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many times I've talked to clients about it. They're like, Oh man, it must be the life. You have the easiest job in the world. I hear that every other week probably. And, uh, yeah, there is one thing easy about it. It's easy for me to get up in the morning because I know I love it. Other than that, being a full-time fly fishing guide and doing everything, having all the equipment, making sure all the flies are tied, having everything, all the waders and boots, it is a grind. It is a job. It's just like anything else. So the biggest min- misconception is that it is easy peasy, and it's anything but that. It's a lot of work. 
Yeah, it's amazing. I can remember like talking to guys out west, and they'd go like fifty-five days, and they wouldn't even have a day off to do laundry. I mean, oh, it's like yeah, for sure. Like today, for example, I guided all day. I literally dropped off the three kids I was working with at dark. I have an hour drive home. I come home. I'm on the phone for forty-five minutes with two other kids I'm mentoring, and literally hang up ten minutes before we do this interview after eight o'clock. You know, so it's like, yeah there's just it's it's it goes on long after the day on the river yeah you couldn't do it if you don't love if you didn't love it no absolutely not but i do love it and uh i treat it like a career it's a job and i love it and i'm passionate about it and i love sharing it with people that are willing to learn and kind of dive in well that's awesome so are you affiliated with any pro staff programs you want to give a shout out to some people that support you yes for sure um definitely something i'm super proud of is uh I'm a Sage Pro Staff Pro Staff Elite member. I think there's a hundred of us in the world. So an, an ambassador for the rod company that I've loved and fished my whole life, when they reached out to me, is probably one of my proudest moments in fly fishing. You know, it's like that's something as a guide here in Western North Carolina. You know, using their products, you never think the company's going to track you down and call you and invite you to, you know, be an ambassador. And when they did, it was something I'm, I'm super proud of that. And, but yeah, that's who I'm affiliated with. Yeah. That's fantastic. What's your favorite, uh, rod to nymph fish with that they make? Uh, the ESN, the HD, uh, it's a newest one. I fish a 10, three and a 10, six, three weight. Uh, that's the best nymph- nymphing stick on the planet in my opinion. Phenomenal rod. Awesome. And so that's a really great segue into, you know, you, you, you were fishing for bluegill, you get into fly fishing. Um, how did you get the competitive fishing bug? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I moved here, started the business in 2007, trying to think of how it even started. Um, somehow I was just probably trying to get to know more people here in Western North Carolina and a name kept popping up and it was Eugene Schuller. And I'm like, I got to meet this Eugene guy because people seem to mention him with somebody that's kind of been here and done. It's been around for a while. So I'm like, I'm going to meet this guy and get to know him and, you know, ask him some questions about this guiding stuff. So I kind of tracked him down. And the day I actually tracked him down, he was fishing in a tournament on the Davidson River. And when the tournament was over, him and I had a long talk. And he's like, man, we have the North Carolina fly fishing team. You ought to, you know, kind of come try out and see what you think. And that's what started it. So it was just that innocent conversation to get to know him and get to know the area better. Uh, reaching out to him and uh, he invited me to try out and made the team and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. How long did you fish competitively? I fished competitively for several years. Um, I think I kind of wrapped it up in 2009. It just got the guide business has gotten too, so busy and I just didn't have the time to focus towards my competitive, you know, aspirations and stuff. Cause when I competed, I wanted to be the best I could be. And I put time into it and I just don't have the time to put towards my business and me being a great competitive angler. So I did it until 2009, 2010, and I got out somewhere in there and I've been mentoring and coaching ever since. Very interesting. And did you compete predominantly in the Southeast? I know a lot of you guys get to travel to some pretty cool places to fish for some pretty exotic um, trout species. Where did you compete mostly? Yeah, um, competed a lot here in Western North Carolina um, with, you know, the Southeast and some people from the Northeast would come down, um, did compete out West, uh, 
never did try to make the U S men's team or anything like that. I never made a run for that to try to do it. Um, but, uh, mostly here in the Southeast and, uh, a little bit out West. And what's your favorite memory of being a competitive angler? Uh, being lucky enough to win a handful of tournaments, you know, uh, I know that sounds bad, but I tell you what, it was really cool to, to win tournaments against guys who I just looked up to so much, so much like Josh Stevens, Chris Lee, guys like that. Like these guys were here kind of laying the groundwork for it. And even Eugene, you know, those guys were here doing this long before I did. And to be able to be in tournaments and not only compete with those guys, but to sometimes, you know, outfox them is something I'm super proud of, you know, and, and just the whole, just meeting of different competitive anglers, just something I enjoyed. It was just so awesome to learn from different anglers and their ways of thinking how they did it. And, uh, so there's some fond memories for me. We had some really good times. So any, any particular competitive accomplishment kind of stand out in your memory? Uh, I would say it was the first tournament I won. Um, you know, all good coaches always tell you to try to envision things. You try to like plan it out in your head, how it's going to go before it ever happens. It's like the power of positive thinking. And I remember actually doing that. And me and Paul were fishing in this tournament together, me, Paul, and a lot of the other guys, it was the Olympiad fly masters years ago. And, uh, I remember the night before in the hotel, Paul's like, I was in pretty good standing after the casting portion. I think I was in first or second place and sitting pretty good to do good in the fishing round. And Paul's like, how are you going to do? And I was like, and it wasn't like a cocky feeling because I am not an arrogant person. I'm a humble person, but I was like, I'm going to go win this thing tomorrow. You know what I mean? I said, I just feel really good about it. And, uh, I was just really positive and just went out and fished good and, and pulled it out, you know? So I was super proud of that. Good anglers in that tournament, guys that I consider far better than me. And for me to be able to outfox them that day, I was, I was proud of that. That's pretty cool. And so you, you kind of step away from competitive fly fishing as a competitor to focus on your guide business. How did you start to get involved with the US Youth fly fishing team? Yeah. Um, I was working on the guide business and started doing a lot of mentoring on the side, like people that wanted to be better competitive anglers, whether it be youth or some adults were kind of reaching out to me. Uh, they thought enough of me to think that I had something to teach them. So I started doing that a lot. And somewhere in that time frame, my buddy, Paul Bork, who I ended up, uh, kind of introducing to this, uh, competitive scene a few years before that took it and ran with it and became a great competitive angler himself. And then he ended up getting a chance to coach the USU fly fishing team. And me and Paul were best friends, fished together everywhere. And he's like, he's like, look, I'm involved in this and I need somebody to help me, you know? And that's kind of what started it. Paul like invited me on board to help and kind of dove in head first and haven't looked back. Yeah. And I know now you're the Southeast regional coach. How long have you held that position? Um, I've been a Southeast regional coach for a couple of years now. Um, and, uh, super proud of it. You know, I love teaching these kids. It's been, it's been a heck of a ride and I'm in no hurry to give it up. Ready to just keep on building this team back to a winner. Yeah. And, and tell me a little, tell me a little bit more about what's actually involved in being a regional coach. I mean, you know, getting a little bit more detail about what you do with the kids and. Sure. Um, uh, as a Southeast regional coach, I do like, we have four or five clinics throughout the year 
we have a couple out west. We used we had one in Lake Placid, one in PA, one in North Carolina. And as a regional coach, you know, it's really good for us coaches to be at all those clinics. So I travel around the country to be at all those clinics and help teach kids from all over the country, wherever they come from, that are trying to get into competitive fly fishing. So that's a big part of it. Um, me being a professional guide and being the Southeast regional coach, I'm one of the go-to guys to coach a lot of these kids when they want to get better at competitive fly fishing on the side on their own time. So I do a ton of that. Like 70% of my guiding anymore is guiding young, young kids and, you know, grown adults to get better at competitive fly fishing. And it's all because of the role of being the Southeast coach and just being involved the last few years. And it's just, it's just, it's kind of grown from there, you know, and, uh, it's just awesome, but that's kind of a lot of things, you know, just trying to keep these guys here in the Southeast, the ones that are right on my, my doorstep, keeping those guys going in the right direction, keep building upon the youth we have down here and just trying to make our team stronger. And, and how many, uh, team members are in the Southeast that you're sort of uh, responsible for mentoring? Oh, gotcha. There's a couple. I'm, uh, forgive me for remembering all the kids that are on team. We got like 15 and we're going through a big transfer right now. Um, cause the national championships are coming this weekend, but we have, you know, Eli Buchanan, Ryder Sutton, obviously I've helped those kids a fair amount, but there are a lot of other people that have helped mentor them kids along the way as well. It's definitely not just me. Um, but those two guys are the closest they're right here. They're just 20 minutes up the road. Uh, and we've had a few more that are no longer on the team. So you, then you have, uh, Ben comfort, which is not right here in the Southeast. He's in, he's in, uh, like another part of North Carolina, but work with him quite a bit and, uh, forgive me if I'm forgetting others, but they're kind of spread all out. You know, you got kids from Pennsylvania, just kids from all over on the team. Yeah. And you're lucky that, uh, this weekend you're, you're hosting the national youth championships in Bryson city and Cherokee, correct? Yes. Yes, we are. And, uh, tell me a little bit more about that event. How many days does it last? How many competitors are there? Kind of what does the normal com competition day look like? Sure. Yeah. I think we have 32 kids signed up to fish in that, which is phenomenal. Uh, it's going to be a two day event. We're going to have like an opening type ceremony Friday evening. Uh, that's where all the kids and the parents, everybody's going to get signed in. They're going to get their assignments. Uh, then their typical day is going to start Saturday. They're going to have four sessions. They're going to have two sessions in Cherokee, one on the general water, one on the trophy water. Then they're going to have two sessions in the Nantahala drainage, one on the lower Nantahala and one on the upper Nantahala. So there's four sectors. And uh, the sessions on the Nantahala are two hours apiece. And this, this, the times in Cherokee are going to be an hour and a half for each session. So the, the anglers are going to get up. They're going to go out. They're going to get to their beat and they're going to get set up and they're going to have hour and a half, two hours respectively, depending on where they're going. They'll fish. Then they will judge because it's a competitor controlled event. So it really makes for a long day. There's it's uh it's nonstop from early, shortly after daylight until dark when you have a tournament like that this time of year. So it's, two days of mental grind for these kids. And they also get to watch other anglers that they're competing against. So they can also learn a lot too. So it's a really, really nice format when it's competitor controlled. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a really good event. Awesome. And how far away are are the kids coming? Uh, you got anyone traveling, I guess, not internationally, but I guess all over the United States, right? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I worked with three kids today. I had a full day guide trip with three of the youth. One is actually one of our world team members, Joey and uh, Isaac and Anders Corman. They're trying to make the team and all those guys are from Oregon. We have another kid coming from Oregon. We have some coming from Idaho, some from Montana, uh, some from Pennsylvania. Got to, they're coming from all over to fish in this thing. That's awesome. And is, the, great. and is the event open to the public? Yeah, I mean, anybody can come and watch. Um, they have like a closing ceremony, which will be Sunday evening. And I think they have to get tickets for that, but I'm not sure how that all goes down. I don't take care of that part. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, yeah, but the public can come and watch. And we usually have a lot of people when they find out what's going on, they show up and you just see them on the banks kind of checking it out. And just asking questions. Yeah. And just go to your website. Is that the best place to go? Or is it better to, to track you guys down on social media to find out about uh, the details for the event? Yeah. Track us down on social media. I'm sure Tucker, uh, Tucker Horn, which is our team manager. He's really good about that. He'll probably be putting stuff on social media on the team site, Yep. which is a U.S. U.S. youth fly fishing team. So you could look on there and just keep an idea what's go- get an idea what's going on. Yeah. And I'll, I'll drop all that in the show notes. I have it from the episode I did with Tucker and, uh, that way people will be okay. able to easily find it and, uh, go out and support these kids. Um, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. And, um, you know, as we, as this, as you know, we're getting, we're kind of in the, the middle of the fall fishing season. Um, and we, I guess people are already starting to gear up for, for 2019 in the show season. Do you have any speaking or show appearances coming up that you want to let people know about? You know, I have a few that I'm getting ready to work on. I think I'm planning on, I don't have a date yet, but I'm going to speak to the Buckeye United up in Cincinnati, that group and a couple groups up north of Atlanta, uh, but nothing on the calendar, but that's a part of my career that I'm getting ready to kind of take the plunge into. I get a lot of people wanting me to do speaking engagements all around. So I'm going to start doing that. So you'll be seeing me out there in the next couple of years. Yeah. The, the Nanahala Sasquatch will be out on the speaker circuit, right? The Nanahala Sasquatch will be out there embarrassing himself on the, on the circuit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Sasquatch for a reason. Cause I'm a recluse. So the fact that I got to go stand in front of a hundred people is going to be just awesome. Oh no, it'll be great. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, where can folks find out more uh, about you and your, your guide service? Yeah, it's uh, turning stones fly fishing and it's fly fishing. WNC.com. Check it out. Have any questions ever feel free to call me. I'm an open book and happy to help by phone. Awesome. And phone probably better than email for you. Yeah, I prefer to talk. I'm a talker. Um, but if an email works for you, I can make that happen too. Awesome. Yeah, I know it's just so hard these you know these days because you know it used to be just a phone and just email, and now there's like every social media app has their own way they want you to use it, and you end up having to check yeah. like a dozen telephones, which I find a little bit annoying. But that's just my problem. I, I hear you. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to share with folks tonight before we go? Oh man. Uh, yeah, nothing off the top of my head other than I know there's a lot of people that kind of, they, I, I, you hear people that kind of look down on competitive fly fish, and I'm sure you've heard it, Marvin, you've been around. Yeah. Um, you do hear people that look down on it, but I really like to encourage those people to maybe come watch an event like this and watch these young, innocent kids, 14 to actually some of them's 12 years old up to about 18 compete in one of these things. And I mean, it's just as innocent and awesome as anything. And it's, I'd like it for people just give it a shot and watch how this goes and all the camaraderie and how these kids learn and interact with each other uh, before they say a bad thing about it, because it's, it's a lot more than just a competitive 
tournament. These kids learn a lot about themselves, meet lifelong friends. And, uh, I just, obviously I'm over the moon about this kind of stuff. I just think it's amazing, but it'd be nice to have more people that truly understood what it's all about. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Cause I mean, I I've been around it and you know, there are certainly people that really dislike it. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just try to explain to people that, you know, it's about solving fishing problems is kind of how I thought about it. And I just, you know, sure. for me personally, I mean, it's one of the reasons, you know, I came and fished with you a few years ago is I just didn't think I was as good as I could be. And, um, you know, I try to explain to people that don't like it, that it's sort of, I sort of think of competitive fly fishing is like the Grand Prix cars that all the automobile manufacturers have. Right. So, you know, right. Acura has a Grand Prix car. They figure out all this amazing stuff and then it finally makes it to your Honda Accord. And, uh, I sort of, I sort of think of myself as a Honda Accord and I think of you guys as like the Grand Prix cars and, you know, you super figure it out, you know, I've watched you fish, you know, talk to Tucker, you know, watched Devin and Lance's videos. And I mean, it's, you know, when you try to optimize that to get really efficient about how you handle your gear and how you fish, it's, I don't know. I think it's really a, a great problem solving tool. So I'm, I'm with you there a hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I agree with that. It is definitely problem solving one oh one. Yeah. Uh, that's something we preach to the kids from the time we get them in. You have to be the ultimate problem solvers. The guys that win consistently are problem solving better than you are. So you have to get on that, the highest of levels of problem solving of what's going on on a river and constant changes with the fish behavior. And the guy that follows it the best is guy that wins, you know, so. Yeah. It's interesting. That's really good for the kids. Yeah. I got religion of taking my oldest son, uh, fishing between Christmas and new Year's. It's been a few years ago and, um, he was being guided by, by one of the guys out of Kevin's shop over in Brevard. And I can remember sitting there and mm -hmm. watching the trout literally eat and spit out the egg multiple times before his indicator would ever move. And I was like, <laughs> we can't got to get rid of the split shot. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm a believer, but I really appreciate you making the time to, uh, to talk to me tonight, Gordon, particularly given how busy you are and with the, uh, championship coming up and I wish you and all of your team members the best of luck. Well, thanks, Marvin, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, no, I'm so happy to do it, man. I appreciate it. No, it's a lot of fun, and we need to get out on the water again sometime soon. Yeah, I remember that last time that I had you fishing. We had a couple good days, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. Well, li <laughs> well listen, I'm going to let you go, and just to let folks know, on November 23rd, my guest will be Jason Randall, and we're going to continue the theme of talking about tight line nymphing, I'm sure. Um, everyone, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, if you do me a favor and go to iTunes and review the show, I'd really appreciate it. You can find this podcast pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast on the internet. Um, and if you don't want to have to worry about checking a podcatcher, if you just go to the website and subscribe to the mailing list, you'll get an email every week with all of our blog posts and all of our new podcast episodes. So folks, everybody have a, have a great evening, tight lines and, uh, and good luck, everybody. Good night, Gordon. All right. Take care, Marvin.